Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, even after I'd done ninety six, you know, the day after that was a real come down because you've gone from having the whole village turn out to cheer you to silence back on the treadmill at home on your own. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. Our mission is to get you fired up. So help is God. That's what we're going to do. And I, I will tell you something. I also I also feel very fired up when I... <laughs> what? what? What are you looking at me like that and laughing for? Is it because I was actually... You were talking about motivation and being fired up and I was trying to suppress a yawn. And while I was doing that, it, I... It put a really funny look on my face. Is that why you're laughing? Is that why you're laughing? Is that what it was? Oh, God, my stomach. <laughs> I wish, I wish people could actually see what I could see. I am in the cupboard here. If you are new to our show, I record in the cupboard. It's a bit of a long story, but we've got really massive ceilings and the sound echoes like mad. Pete makes me record in the cupboard. That's it. That's the story over with. And I, we connect on Zoom each week. I can see you. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What it, was that? You suppressing a yawn? That was yeah. That was horrific sorry. to witness. I didn't want you to know that there was a yawn, and now all you've done is drawn attention to the yawn, and now it's not only you who knows there's a yawn; everybody knows there's a yawn. I was thinking, well, while you're talking, I don't want to put you off, <laughs> so I won't do that big, exaggerated, massive mouth thing that you over your mouth. So all I was trying to do was suppress the yawn and 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 hide slightly better behind the microphone, which is what I attempted to do, and now you've highlighted it, and we all know that while you're talking about being fired up, I'm just tired. We all know Look, that. I just want to break the news to you right now. Your head is significantly larger than the microphone, so if you're going to hide behind something, maybe choose a door. I don't know, even like a large owl ornament would probably do a better job than the microphone. It, you, I could see, I could clearly see you try... Don't! Look, you're about to do it again. You don't just... Well, I'm not. I'm not. You're, you're I'm not. not. But what's weird? What's weird? What's weird? I didn't yawn. I didn't yawn in response to your yawn. Maybe I'm immune. Because you didn't let me yawn. Because I didn't yawn. I suppressed it. I did the fake. I did the funny face thing. We should put that in our marketing material. Our show is so motivational that even the host cannot be influenced by other people yawning. That's how fired up I am. Nobody can break me. <laughs> Nobody. And on that note, we should get this show started before Pete falls asleep. Come on, get it over and done with. I'm knackered. Come on, Jay. You did an event of the weekend, didn't you? And it wasn't... I, I, I was going to call it a race, but it wasn't a race for you. It was an event because, obviously, you're just coming down after Manchester Marathon and rather than racing again and timing yourself and getting all backed up about time like we often do, um, you just kind of did a... Stop Stop giggling. <laughs> stop giggling. You, did, you, you classed it as an event and just a run rather than a race. And, um, yeah... It looked good, what I saw of the pictures. looked really cool, actually. It was incredible, to be honest. I'm just giggling at the phrase, backed up about time. I completely get that. A lot of people will understand that we do get backed up about time and there's just no need for it. And yesterday, I did a post on, on my Instagram last night about the event, which was amazing, and I said... It was an event, not a race. You know, not every race has to be a race. It's all about how you 
how you want to treat it and, and we absolutely treated it as a as an event and the main reason we did it is because it's on the local trails around Winchester we're still relatively new seven eight months here something like that it's about seven months living here so it's great to get on the soft stuff go and experience the new trails find out some new routes be around other people as well because that's cool and I can't help myself you know when you're in amongst other runners even if I am racing it but especially when I'm treating it as an event not a race I love just connecting with others having a bit of a laugh with people and just it's just such a good vibe and feeling and on a bank holiday Monday that was exactly what we needed it was it was awesome and this is a really new company by the way so if you are local to me where am I Winchester that's Hampshire right I don't know down south way I don't even know you've not even invited me yet you were always invited you open door open door policy then check out Big Feet Events. I think these are a pretty new company, actually. I think they've only been around a couple of years. This was their second event in Winchester called the Big Way Round, and they did different distances, so 40-mile, 19-mile, the full marathon, 26.2 miles, and then an ultra, which was thirty, uh, sorry, 50 kilometres. We did the 19-mile event, and the reason we did that, we were like, oh, did we do the marathon? Or We, not, we weren't racing, of course, but we said, well, look, let's just do the 19-mile because I'm still very, very mindful that it was four weeks after Manchester. Now, yes, it's four weeks, actually four weeks and one day, but, you know, we don't want to be throwing ourselves massively into the deep end. We still need to come back relatively cautiously, so we didn't want to kind of ask too much of the body. But just loved it. Absolutely wicked. We'll definitely, definitely, definitely be doing it again, man. It was just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, excellent. I've just looked for the website and um, Big Feet... Uh, let's spell it. It's F-E-A-T, as in it's a big feat rather than big flappy feet, uh, which is, um, that's that's an event company in Blackpool, it turns out. It's not them. Actually, I really wished I had big flappy feet yesterday. That would have helped so much. In fact, <laughs> there's probably quite a few runners that wish they had big flappy feet because I did see a few people hit the deck. It happens. Forward rolls, commando rolls, all that sort of stuff. You know, when you're on the soft terrain, it does happen. It does happen. You were about to yawn again. I saw you. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. You were about I to wasn't. yawn. <laughs> Jake, stop talking about yawning because it's making me want to yawn even more. Come on, just crack on with it. Let's get the guest on. Should we get the guest on? I think we better don't do. Have a big yawn, yawn. Don't, 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 don't do it. I'm not going to be influenced. I'm not going to be influenced. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. One person who will no doubt be yawning her head off right now, and he's absolutely entitled to do so, is our next guest. Endurance athlete Kate Jaden from Derbyshire attempted to run 100 marathons in 100 consecutive days. Kate did this all to raise money and awareness for several charities that are very close to her heart. Not only did she take on this huge feat, but she did it while working full-time and with the challenges that her diagnosis of ADHD and autism present. Kate, welcome to the show. Please tell me you're resting up right now. Yeah, I don't think I got a choice in that matter, to be honest. After after Brighton, my knee was like, OK, I might just take a sabbatical now. Thank you very much and goodbye. I think you have definitely yeah, earned my, that. Uh... You've definitely earned that. So, let's just back up. So, the intention was 100 marathons in 100 days. I think I'm right in saying the record, was, was it 96 marathons was the previous record? 95 uh, it was it was 95, yeah. So to break it, I had to get past 95 to 96 to break Which it. Which is a massive challenge, isn't it? And we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording this call. It's very easy, relatively speaking, to set these challenges, isn't it? We, you know, we can set kind of any challenge for ourselves. 
but actually how is it going to go are we going to be able to do it and i think especially with the nature of running with the high risk of injury it's just fascinating to hear how this unfolded so tell me are you the new record holder how did it go well the first thing is not to be pedantic but accuracy as our friend <laughs> um i i've broken the record yes i'm a record breaker um, but I don't hold the record until I have had that verified and ratified by Guinness because somebody holds that record currently. So I'm in the process of uploading about four years worth of uh, video time to uh, the cloud at the minute. Looks, We're up to the end of January. Kate, uploaded Kate so sod far. that, sod Guinness. Is it on Strava? If it's on Strava, then it's official. It happened. If it's not on yeah. Strava... There yeah, you go. Strava. Kate is yeah, on the Strava. official... And actually, 101... <laughs> I'm a record breaker. Well, let's go with that. I'm a record breaker. You know, wow, 101 marathons. You did 101 marathons in 101 days. Yeah. Wow. And you know, it wasn't even because I intended to. It, was, it wasn't because I got to 100 and went, do you know what, I'll just add one more because, I, you know, just in case other people are doing 100 marathons in 100 days, so I'll just take it to 101. Actually, it was completely unintentional, mostly because I'm a bit of an idiot that got out of control, really. This all started as a bit of a joke. It got out of hand. I'm not allowed unattended without an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Welcome, welcome to my world. And to be fair, you know, I saw Jake after running one marathon and he was making no sense. To be fair, after you've run 100 marathons, it's okay to lose count and do an extra one. That's fine. Honestly, once you get to those last ones, you're like, right, I've got four to go. I've got three to go. I've got two to go. Honestly, you get to that last countdown and it is just, your bo- it's, it's almost like your body knows as well. And your body's going, right, it's nearly time. It's nearly time to completely and utterly give up and act like you're 98 years old. I want to pick up on something you said earlier, you know, talking about being pedantic and stuff. We're kind of joking about that. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. Until you get that official confirmation, then the party really starts and you can truly celebrate. But I think being pedantic when you are really serious about your goal, especially when it's the magnitude of what you were attempting to to do, and, and we know obviously the high injury rate, uh, risk with running so trying to manage that and being meticulous I think that will have really helped you I know from bits that I read and stuff that I saw on your social media some of the messages that we exchange one of your concerns was conditions obviously where you live in in Derbyshire not always the best in terms of weather and things like that and that's that you know throwing yeah. something else into the mix potentially another spanner that can make things more challenging how much did you do kind of outdoor versus the treadmill I've seen some uploads on Instagram of you hitting the treadmill D- did you manage to do as much outdoor running as you wanted or how did that whole thing work we obviously had those horrific storms in february and there was something quite metaphorical about those storms actually as well because so i live in the peak district and it's really rural peak district and on day 47 basically i bust many and it was about the same time we had those really horrific storms in in answer to your question i did about 60 40 in the end or two-thirds to a third two-thirds indoors unfortunately and the reason for that, so so partly it was, I mean, I ran in the snow, I ran in wind. Um, I do struggle a lot more with wind, not because it's harder to run, I can tolerate that, but because of the um, sensory aspect of that, I really, really struggle with wind in my ears and on my face. And that becomes much more stressful than perhaps might be perceived to other people. Um, with the autistic side of things, sensory overload becomes quite an issue, and particularly more so when you're tired. 
Um, but the thing that ended up shifting me more to treadmill ended up being the knee problem in the end. And then, so when I had to switch the runs to the evening, I was originally doing them before work. Fine, no problem. Quickly knock out a sub four marathon, go to work, do my day in work, have a half decent night's sleep. But on day 47, when that all changed, the second half basically saw me doing six, six and a half hours. And so I couldn't fit that in before work, even starting at 10. So I ended up having to do them after work. So I worked eight till four, would start the run at 5 p.m. But of course, running 5 p.m. until, say, 11, 11.30, it was 11.30 almost every night. Sometimes I finished with three minutes to spare before midnight. You can't feasibly do that in the very, very rural Peak District on your own. It's very isolated. There's no phone signal. So I couldn't have called anybody for help if anything happened. There was definitely a safety aspect to consider then. At least with the treadmill, my wife could pop up, check I was okay, see if everything was all right, and actually just just do whatever she needed to do as well. Was it the same treadmill? Did you have your own treadmill in the gym? I'm a bit of a sucker with that. You know, when I go to the gym, I like my own locker. I like to use the same locker. Did you use the same treadmill? For consistency and obviously data recording and and all of those kind of things, and, and, you know, for record purposes, I used the same treadmill in the gym, but at home... I had my own treadmill that was calibrated and and all that sort of stuff. And it was brand new when I got it. And by the time that I'd finished, I'd done over, I think it was about 1,700 miles, I think, on it. It's quite the battering. We gave it a couple of bits of maintenance, never missed a beat. So it goes to show that having the proper equipment can really, really help you get out and do what you need to do training wise. I mean, tre- treadmills get a bit of a bad rap. A lot of people sort of call them, the, label them the treadmill. You're nodding here. I'm sure you've heard this. The and, oh, people don't like them. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of, of the <coughs> treadmill, Kate, but then I'm not running 20 yeah. miles on them day after day after day for the best part of 100, 101 days. And, and it sounds like you did quite a lot of running on the treadmill. How did you manage it mentally? It may sound like a, a, a funny question, but I sense that you're very mentally tough, right? And you have that resilience to even consider embarking on this journey. And I know you've got some wonderful reasons as to why you wanted to do this, which I'm going to get into. But where did you go in your mind? Did you need to manage it? To be honest, the same method that you apply to running, running an ultra marathon, you would apply to running any sort of distance past about two hours on a treadmill. I mean, any part of endurance running is becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's a key part of training for any long-distance running. That's why we do long runs. It's why we do the three, the four-hour runs and that sort of thing. So learning to become comfortable with being uncomfortable doesn't just apply to the physical side of things. It, It applies to the mental side of things. And if you've trained your mind there's a hell of a lot more you can achieve than just training your body. The one thing that this sort of challenge will teach you is that your mind will give up a long time before your body ever will. A long, long time. And that, that the proof of that is in, in the evidence of finishing the second half of this. But in terms of the treadmill, the first half, I actually found the shorter marathons on the treadmill, shorter as in time-wise, that took me four hours, that bit harder, because you're running that much more of a high intensity. But equally mentally there was something harder about the longer slow ones because you knew starting it was going to take you six six and a half hours and there was nothing you could do to improve that above about five hours 55 five hours 50 if you were lucky firstly you have to accept that that's how long you're going to be there for you have to accept you're going to get bored but the worst thing was that you go to the worst thing about treadmill running was that when i went to sleep almost every single night i dreamed that i was running a treadmill marathon (laughs) 
it was just that was the one of the hard just it was awful for your sleep but i i think you know there's definitely i, I just tried to view that it was a positive mental thing you know i've got this triathlon in july where i'll be required to run on a, a one kilometer loop and i've got to run 422 kilometers it's pretty important for any sort of endurance you know whether that's a marathon on the road if you get bored on the route this, this, it teaches you mental resilience. And I would actually recommend, I think treadmills get a really bad rap, but I think there's definitely something to be said for A, mental training, and B, there's definitely something to be said for, uh, I'm a big believer in structured sessions. Uh, you know, normally um, all of my training has a purpose to it. Each session has a reason and, and a rationale as to why it's in there. I don't tend to just go out and, and do some junk miles if they're not going to benefit me in any way. I love that. I mean, we're both absolutely on the same page there and, and not just treadmills, but we, we both see the, the purpose and, and, and a place for treadmills, but it's that mental side of training as well. I think it's easy, and I've certainly done it, to shy away from that sort of mental toughness and maybe choose a course of action with the least resistance because it, it just it makes sense because it's a little bit more comfortable. But guess what? If you're training for something hard, whether that's 101 marathons in 101 days or whether that's your first 5K or whatever is a challenge for you, you need to feel and experience discomfort, uh, both mental and physical, because when it comes to the challenge, guess what you're going to feel? And if you're not prepared for that, you might come unstuck. So you touch on the structure there, and I think that's really, really good to have in mind as well, Kate, that, you know, you don't need to throw yourself massively in the deep end of feeling hugely uncomfortable. Do it bit by bit, you know, step out that your comfort zone, just, just yeah. gently, gradually, and build on it. You know, I think that's really, really helpful. Did you listen to podcasts or, or music yeah. or anything on the treadmill? Sometimes I genuinely would, would just kind of get to three hours and go, oh, I haven't listened to any music or done anything yet. Um, so sometimes I would just do maths and genuinely just, just you kind of tune into that rhythm of, of your footsteps and learning to not rely on anything. A lot of other times you might listen to music, but just purely for the cadence effort of it, just to keep your feet moving at the right effort, because the second you add music in, it, it's quite quickly, you'll notice the difference. It's much easier to keep the same rhythm going. I tended to not to listen to podcasts so much, purely because I... I struggle with keeping multiple things going on in my mind. So if I was listening to something that required concentration, as well as focusing on the run that needed to be finished before midnight, sometimes I would struggle a little bit then. So, and these are the, th the, the things I think that people don't always see with what I embarked upon in this journey were the less visible sides of it. So the struggles that you face as an autistic athlete and the issues that you face with ADHD. So I would have to time my ADHD meds to the certain point that I wouldn't fall, I wouldn't be still awake at night. Um, so by the end of the day, you, you know, you're thinking like 10 o'clock in the evening and my brain's just completely and utterly scattered because I've had to do a full day in work and then I'm having to do a marathon so trying to concentrate on much more than just getting that done and keeping yourself moving at the right pace because sometimes the focus that you would have to have to ensure they were finished before midnight was quite a thing it'd be very easy to get too distracted and next thing you know you've you've suddenly got to find a pace that you don't have in you anymore I mean it's incredible isn't it because people listen to this that have ran marathons and big distances they will know that this is a it's a big challenge in itself just to cover those 26.2 miles and then if you're going to start attaching a time <coughs> to it and you want to run it quickly for you then that adds more weight and 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 it makes it even harder 
But then you've got day after day after day waking up and doing it again and again and again, the physical and mental side. But then you touch on autism and the fact that, and you mentioned earlier, you know, when you're out there in the in the elements and the elements are, are against you somewhat, that makes it much harder for you and you have to kind of manage that and you've got to time the whole thing, not only with work, but with taking medication as well. I mean, do you, were you able in this whole period to to completely switch off from work and from running and from this challenge. Were you able to do that? Did you get any complete space? Did your wife help you take take you away no. from it? Or were you, were you just always on? The simple fact is, when you're working full-time, and this, and I think this is the part that people are always the most surprised at, is that I did this whilst working full-time. I, I just, just by the skin of my teeth, I think, managed to do this whilst working full-time, is the honest answer to that. But the reality is, if you don't have the day job to do... And you can get eight hours of sleep a night. You've got time to do your stretching. You've got time to do all your recovery. You can get out the door at 10 o'clock and you don't have to stress about finishing in a certain time. Actually, there's a lot to be said in the fact that if you're not under mental stress, there, there are chemical reactions in your brain with that, with cortisol and stuff like that, that makes running more difficult as well. But I never wanted this to be about how it was so difficult for me because it wasn't about me. And the only reason I talk about those issues is because I think it is really important to be a visible representation, to say to people, hey, do you know what? You know, representation matters and there are people like you that are doing these amazing things. And when you hear, like when when I get the odd message from a parent saying, my kid is utterly obsessed by this. There was a a kid who was like this nine-year-old autistic boy and his mum was messaging and saying he's totally not interested in exercise and now he wants to start doing Couch to 5K and he wants to be fit and healthy and his special interest was Guinness World Records. And so I'd just send a little video every now and then and he he just thought, you know, this kid thinks you're a hero because... They, they see you trying to break this world record and that and you just think that's why representation matters because if you are the majority you know you know a white cisgendered het male of course you're not going to have to worry about being represented or are there people like me out there doing these things it might just help people to consider the adaptions that might need to be made for others who might find it more difficult to cope than me and it might just make life that bit more achievable for others that's kind of why why i mentioned those things because it's about representation really and and being honest and I think in that journey, it changed after, you know, about six weeks when the issue happened with my knee and I gave this challenge just everything. There was no chance to switch off. I didn't get that because I would wake up, start work, work as long as I could to fit my work in, close the laptop, get ready for the run, do the run, have the hot bath, have the, you know, my compression boots, do the recovery and straight to sleep. And it was like that you know, for 54 days. Wow. Just the only respite was weekends. But even then, you had so much other life stuff that you couldn't do in the week that needed addressing at the weekends. Like, I didn't even have time to really... I managed three physio appointments in the space of 54 days. And I think I managed three sports massages because it was just a case of the time. Mm. Yeah, of course, yeah. How did, I mean, obviously, you mentioned your wife earlier. How did she support you? Was she, she must have been on hand to just look after you the entire time when you weren't running or working, which I guess isn't that much time. She yeah. just had a quiet life, right, while you were out <laughs> doing stuff. I think there were times definitely where on the treadmill where, you know, being honest, where the meltdowns happen. Sure. And I'm not just talking being upset and tired. I'm talking, like, 
full bone autistic meltdown where you just get stuck inside yourself and 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 you just howl you know and you just and you're stuck and you can't get out and you have to just pause for a moment and then just you somehow pull yourself back out of it just in time those times i think were really really hard for her you know she she struggles seeing me in pain and she really struggled the first part seeing me push through but then as time went on, I think she understood more and more into like the psyche of an endurance athlete as well. Because when we met, she, she'd done one marathon, but it was an LDWA marathon, a walking marathon sort of thing. And now she does triathlon and, and cycling, you know, I'm an enabler. Um, <laughs> But she, uh, <laughs> enabler, influencer. I think it's the only influence I do have in my household, to be honest. Um, if nothing else, the cat and the dog have control over everything else that I do. Uh, but yeah, she, she. to be fair, she absolutely picked up the reins with so many things, you know. I was, for all, all intents and purposes, basically useless around the house. And I'm not exactly proficient as it is. Um but she was the the person that wiped my tears. She was the person that, like, you know, told me that I could carry on going. She was the person that replied to emails. She was the person that helped, like, contact friends who were trying to get in touch with me and, and stuff like that. And it, it was, I'm not going to lie, I, I, this is why I always put her at the front of any of the posts that I did, that any of the posts that I wrote on social media, if anybody followed on, on Facebook, particularly on my athlete page, it was always, and everybody saw that it, it was us as a team that did this. I always say it's us. It, we did it. It wasn't me. It was us. It was our our achievement. I just did the running. It's funny, isn't it, when you really start to, to look into this and delve deeper into this challenge, all the moving parts, you know, we've touched on working full time, uh, the representation, you know, massive motivation there. We often ask people, what is their why? What's their reason? Is it just to break a world record? I say just, but no it's not you had an underlining reason you know you're shaking your head here because you know why you were doing mm-hmm. it and and that passion and it was unstoppable but and of course you've got the, the 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 issue with the knee which you mentioned which many runners can relate to having issues and setbacks obviously you, you were so driven with this this big reason your why you wanted to do this were you scared of not completing it you know, when you had moments like the knee, how, how did you deal with that, both physically and mentally? The first thing was, luckily, that happened on a Saturday. So I had that time, I got up and I was like, oh, hang on a minute, I can't wait there on my leg. Never had so much as a gripe from money in my entire life before now, in 10 years of running. Um... But, you know, you pull one thing, you do one thing, that something goes out of balance and, you know, if this is going to be the way to find out. I'll be honest, I was terrified. Um, but it never entered my mind to not start. I, I think the one thing that kept going through my mind was it's not impossible until it's impossible and I'll know when it's impossible. So I, I did 20 minutes, you know, just trying to warm up on the Watt bike um and then i thought right let's see if i can walk let's see if i can get it moving because sometimes with this sort of thing it's just that you need to lubricate the joints and that sort of thing now to be clear i would never advocate running through an injury i chose to take that risk under this circumstance because of why i was doing this um so i was terrified that first day and there were so many days i didn't i didn't actually settle into a i might actually make this probably until about day 90 wow I think day 88 was the point where we said, oh, hang on a minute, I'm going to break a record next week and I'm I'm just going to go to work and just nip out after work and just do a jog about Ma- Manchester on my own. 
And I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I kind of, like, you know, my wife just said, right, we need as many people to know about this as possible now. We need this last push on this fundraising. Let's see if we can hit the £20,000 mark sort of thing. Let's see if anybody knows anybody in the press who could cover it, who might be able to pick it up or something. And then next thing you know, so many people just... It, it was, again, another spike in people that just found the journey and, and joined me along it. And that was when I started believing that I, I was going to make it. Um but even after I'd done 96, you know, the day after that was a real come down because you've gone from having the whole village turn out to, to cheer you to silence back on the treadmill at home on your own. But yeah, then the, obviously the, the last sort of couple were that bit easier because they were run with people at events. So. I, can, I can kind of relate to that yeah. because, and I'm sure people listening to this kind of on a much smaller scale, you know, you mentioned, oh, wow, you know, that euphoric feeling almost of, of people there and involvement and, oh, wow, and then the following day, just back on my tod again, doing my thing, another marathon and the silence. It's like that on a micro, in a micro sense, in a race, you run through, I'm sure you know what I mean, you run through like the main town in a race, in a marathon or something, mm-hmm. and the crowd goes mad, and all of a sudden you're running faster than you normally are, and then you turn a corner and you're back out in the country lanes on your own again, and it's quiet. On an industrial estate. industrial estate, yeah, yeah. the worst. It's just like, oh God, this <laughs> yeah. is hard, this is hard. Welcome to Manchester oh. Marathon, here's another industrial estate. <laughs> Do you know, it's interesting talking to you, because with many things in life, there's kind of equal upsides and downsides, and the fact that you were so busy, as we've said, and almost not have having time to think about things because you just it's work and then it's it's the it's the training you know is it is it outdoor is it treadmill fueling and then sleep and then wake up go again repeat all that the fact that you're not able to kind of have too much time to almost think and process in some respects i imagine and correct me if i'm wrong there's a benefit to that because you can't really question what you're doing too much you know why you're doing it and you're just you're just doing it and it's process and it's structure. Did that help at all? I don't know if it was a benefit because inevitably what happens is you can't go straight to sleep after running a marathon. Um, even after the hot bath, even after, you know, I'd sit in bed and inevitably what would happen is you'd still need that hour of just decompression afterwards because how can you send a text message to somebody? How can you send a message? How can you send your emails that you need to send? And so your mind can't really cope with not having a moment between 16 hours non-stop. You know, there's something that doesn't entirely work about that. Equally, I do think potentially there was a little bit of, yeah, I can see why the perspective might be that, well, you don't get a chance to think about it, so you only have that to focus on. But I actually found that it was quite stressful in that regard because you only had a finite amount of time to get your work done and a finite amount of time to get your marathon done. And this was all the second half of it particularly. It was much easier in the first half because you had that time for your mind to just decompress. But without that little bit of decompression, you don't get the chance to also reflect on the achievement. Are you still raising money now? And if you are, obviously there's so many powerful messages that you want to put out there. Is there a single charity that you're raising for? How can people uh, find out more about that? So I'm fundraising for three charities. The fundraising does continue throughout the year. The page is still open. It's easiest to find it on my Instagram bio. Uh, and my Instagram page is Deca Jaden, D-E-C-A Jaden. And on Facebook, it's Kate Jaden, Endurance Athlete. And the three charities are Refugee Council, 
um, go give them a follow if you want to learn more about refugees and what they go through. The resources are just brilliant. The Trussell Trust, that's the UK National Food Bank charity. Most people will have heard of them. But again, they do a lot of really good campaigning work. If you want to learn more about what food poverty means and what you can do to help it change, help change. And then the third charity is the Hygiene Bank. And typically people give up hygiene products before they reach the point of a food bank because it's easier to sacrifice shampoo or conditioner than it is food. And so they do a lot of work in communities helping to provide hygiene products, sanitary products, um, cleaning products, that sort of thing. Um, All three just absolutely brilliant charities and they, they all do just wonderful work uh, I can't speak highly enough and I'm sure they will speak very highly of you Kate with uh, all your good work we will link your Instagram page in the show notes so Decca Jaden show notes page you know it by now if you are a regular listener to the show it's runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Kate you do look very chilled on the video as we speak to you. No doubt you are planning some crazy stuff. It's because my feet are upwards, so I'm actually sat on the bed. You mentioned, obviously, you had the blisters on your toes and you mentioned your knee. How else have you Mm. suffered and what condition are you in now, physically? Well, I'd like to take a moment to uh, mourn the loss of seven of my toenails, RIP, gone before their time. (laughs) Did you keep Um, them? No, but honestly... I, uh, my wife still hates me for this. I, she, 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 she almost vomited when she saw the state of my big oh, toenail because the whole... And you know how bad it is to lose the big toenail. And it had to go because the whole bed had been blistered underneath. And she was like, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, my stomach's just turned inside out, no. So I sent her a WhatsApp video while she was in work. She's not forgiven me ever since. There was the knee issue, if I'm honest, it was a risk that I knew that I was going to take. I always knew there was a risk of injury in this. And I knew after day 47, well, if that's the damage done, the damage is done. We did keep a close eye on it with physios and stuff. I think actually the fatigue was one of the worst. There's nothing worse than having not had enough sleep. And normally you can go, well, I'll get more sleep tonight. And you just couldn't. And weird things, like I got an ingrown hair under my arm that chafed or something, and it just wouldn't go away. So I'd have to put a bit of tape here. And then there was like a chafe from my heart rate strap, or there would be a chafe here and a chafe there. And and I think my favourite one of all that still is with me is because I taped my knee with, with muscle tape, um, and I did like um, a, a crosshatch. But I forgot to put sun cream on. <laughs> and that day, nice. the sun came out. And I still have an excellent tan mark from my awesome. crosshatched awesome. muscle tape on my knee. <laughs> that is one funky tattoo. But it- <laughs> now is absolutely your time just to chill out, reflect, keep the legs elevated. Don't send any more toenail videos to your wife, otherwise they might well, be divorced. do you know what, Jake? I've got just over a week to learn how to walk in a pair of heels to go down the aisle. Because we had our ceremony last year in COVID times and we said we'd have our party the year on our anniversary. And I'm going, this is going to be fun. Turns out it's actually a bit easier to walk in the hills than walking flat footage, <laughs> but... I've bought a pair of backup flat shoes for later. Oh, I like Good your job. style. Good job. Like Planned your it. style. I can offer you no sound advice there when it comes to walking in heels, believe me. But very, <laughs> yeah. very good sound option you've got there. I like it. It's been awesome to chat to you, Kate. I do have one final question for you. I'm very intrigued to hear your answer to this question. Are you ready? Well, hit me. <laughs> now I'm nervous. You don't sound very impressed. <laughs> this is a great question. We ask all of our guests. I know. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? 
And this is the point where I ruin your phrase. That I've had this whole long thought about motivation. Do you know what? Motivation means nothing as much as discipline to me. Motivation gets you started, but discipline gets you over the finish line. It's discipline that keeps you getting up. It's consistency. It, motivation is short-lived and it's fickle, is what motivation means <laughs> I love to me. that. I love that. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I, prefer, I prefer discipline, consistency and commitment. Discipline over motivation every time. I, I like me. it. It's a different kind of response, different kind of answer. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm interested. I like it. But before we approve it, before we approve it, it you, I just need I? to get your answer verified. Pete, do we? Can, could you verify Kate's response to the question? I feel like she changed the question a little bit. He's writing something down. I'm writing some stuff on a notepad. Making some notes, ticking there. some boxes. He definitely said yes. He it's definitely yes. said it's yes. It's a yes from me. It's We've a yes from it. me. It's a yes. It's a yes. <laughs> it has been verified. Winner! <laughs> That's Amazing. better than your bloody Guinness record, I'm telling you. Kate, awesome. Have a great rest of the day. Catch up soon. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Running with Jake, the podcast. Now, we've got a bit of a situation here. What situation? Well, as the, the producer of the show, you like to keep things to a specific format. You're very precise with your timings, which I appreciate. And this is the part where we normally do the, you know, hashtag Ask Jake. We take one of your running-related questions. I give you the answer to it. It's great. Yes, yes, yes. But we normally keep it quite quick. Answer the question, boom, straight on to the end of the show. Goodbye, see you next week, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what happens. That's what works with my um, my tick sheet here that I've got. Um, mm. uh, clipped mm. my clipboard, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, how do you want to mix it up? And I'll try and make some amendments, if you will, to the uh, to the tick sheet system. Well, it's not really my fault, to be perfectly honest. It's Killian's fault. Killian's fault. Killian reached out to me on uh, on Instagram. Oh, Killian? Yeah. What are you doing, Killian? Mm. Well, he's asked a great question. He's got himself in a bit of a situation. I say we have a situation. I think Killian has a situation here. It's a great question. I think a lot of people will relate to this, and I really want to help people find a solution, find a good solution to this problem. But, but, I don't think it's quite a quick one to answer. Should we just give it a go anyway? Is it okay? Killian, because you've... You, Killian... Yeah, I know you're contacting us on Instagram. That's great, but... Ruin the show. Tick sheet. That's gone. Right, now the tick sheet's gone. You can do whatever you want. Right. You do well, what you want, can't you? Right, good. Let's press on. So, Killian is taking part in the Dublin Marathon this year. Awesome. In October. Fancy that one myself, actually. It's on the list. But, and here's the problem. A week later, he's doing the New York Marathon. A week later. So, he's... Yeah, it's a bit tight, and I know there's a lot of people in this situation with COVID-deferred races, and sometimes you enter a ballot, you get in the ballot, you don't think you're going to get in, you do, you've got a place, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got these marathons stacked up like buses, what do I do? And he said that, look, I've, the aim is to finish rather than hitting strong race performances, which I totally get, but he wants to know what my advice is and what to do in that period between the two races so effectively a week six days or so he's got a seven hour flight in that as well he's got to obviously get himself over to new york and he's wondering do i need to think about massages do some gentle jogs total rest oh man and i can sense from this question he's not feeling great about it we've got to help him man we've got to help him i'd say killian um sack off the whole dublin thing just go drink some guinness That will get you in the mood for going to New York, won't it? And then doing a little bit of a marathon at uh, New York. But, you know, I'm a non-running guy and I'm not good with advice. So what are you saying, Jay? The first thing I'd do is make sure that you keep yourself in check. 
So if you are uh, like Killian and you have a number of races lined up and you've got a week between big races like a marathon and you said to yourself, oh, it's okay, I'm not going to target time, I'm just going to plod. Look, we know the score, right? We know the score. Once we are in the situation and we get caught up with other runners and the environment, the occasion, the event, it can be very difficult to really stick to that plan. So I would be super, 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 super disciplined. I would also stay, and this is a funny thing to say, but I would also be very mindful that you do have the opportunity to not do New York Marathon. My gosh, did he just say that? Yes, because look, you don't want to risk injury and setting yourself back further. You don't want to be out the game totally. And of course, you want to do New York and you probably will. But I think by just saying to yourself and your mom, well, look, absolute worst, worst, worst contingency, worst case scenario, I make the smart decision to not do New York based on the fact that I just ran Dublin and actually my legs still feel battered. I've not recovered as quick as I would have hoped yada 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 so that's the really smart thing to kind of have in your mind hopefully won't come to that but in between you know you talk about that week operation rest you've got to really chill out as much as you can now rest is a funny one rest and recovery because different things work for different people you mentioned massage if you are somebody that is used to massage and let's face it even if you're not killing you've got plenty of time to get yourself accustomed to massage then you might find that that really helps immediately after a race you probably don't want a really 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 serious sports massage because that may cause more damage to the muscles and you've already damaged them from obviously taking part in the in the Dublin Marathon. So I think it's all about resting that week. I wouldn't do any running at all, not even jogging. Your week might look something like this. A couple of days of absolutely nothing. You might have a very easy massage three days after Dublin, like very easy. And then after that, for the next few days, you might just do a little bit of brisk walking nothing crazy just to help the blood flowing if you've got access to a pool it might be worth jumping in the pool and just doing some really easy kind of up and down swimming nothing too intensive at all the aim is purely to get some blood flowing safely and try to recover as much as you can i think that's priority obviously the flight it's not a lot you can do about that you've just got to try and get as much sleep as you can leading up to the day that you fly and make sure you get as much sleep as possible that's obviously really important but the night before the night before is always the most important for sleep. We say this a lot on the show, don't we? If your race is on the Sunday, it's not the Saturday night for the most people where the focus is. It's the Friday night. If you wake up on, on, on the Sunday morning, you've not slept brilliantly on the Saturday, it's really not the end of the world, as long as you've been sleeping well consistently. So I hope that helps. Make some smart decisions. Operation recovery. Don't do any running. And you know the score. Let us know how it goes, man. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for uh, screwing up the show, Killian. <laughs> I'm joking. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake, or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. Or if you want me to answer the question rogue, just message me on Instagram. Don't tell Pete. Doesn't fit with my form. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. We didn't quite conform to the usual structure that Pete, the producer, sets, but we will be back oh. on the structure next week. Rest assured, nobody cares listening, but Pete, I know you care. It's going to be fine, mate. Anyway, say goodbye now, and then let's do that quote thing that we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. Conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. Of growth.